You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks. Daniel Makabe, all the way from Newestminster, British Columbia, Canada, and uh, hit my music. Welcome to Hit My Music. My name is David Kincannon. I am your host, and I am here tonight with the wrestling genius, Daniel Maccabe. Thank you so much for being on the show, Daniel. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of it. Uh, yeah, among, among the maiden voyages, but uh, I, loved, I loved the concept, and uh, I was really uh, stoked when you asked me to be a part of it. So, <laughs> well, yeah, this seems kind of right up my alley. So I'm glad to hear it. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about music and wrestling and the space where those two things meet. So let's get started by talking to Daniel about growing up with music. Do you remember who was responsible for playing music around you as a kid? Parents, grandparents, older siblings? So uh, only child, so definitely okay. no siblings sure. and no no real like cool. I mean, this that's more a, a later in life thing when you're, you're a teenager and you have like the, the older siblings who discover like college rock before that's you true. do or whatever, right? Um, never had that. So um I don't, I don't really know. Like it, it, it's definitely my, my parents, but, um, you know, neither of them were like particularly musical. Like my mom was kind of, uh, a, a wannabe hippie, uh, a little too young, um, for, for, you know, like Woodstock and that sort of stuff. Sure. Although she, she wishes that she had gone or she did at the time. <laughs> um, so, but there was definitely a lot of that influence in the household and, and those were the kind of the records that got played for sure um simon and garfunkel and sure. the beatles cat stevens um and i mean we only had like a handful of of cassette tapes that we kind of ran through in the car um and a lot of it was in that similar vein for sure um beach boys and, okay yeah, I, I, I often will cite uh, Paul Simon's Graceland as being a record that I've probably heard more times than than anything else because we, we always listened to to it in the car and it was it was kind of a favorite uh, for my mother and I. So and, and admittedly, my, my parents, um, you know, they separated when I was four years old. So okay. uh, and I was only only child raised by a single mother. So um, a lot of uh, the music definitely came from her at a young age and then I was pretty young when I kind of veered off from from what uh what her influence would have been on me for sure so okay um what so you said that veering off so my next question is typically do you remember when you started making your own musical decisions so clearly it's around that time what what stuff were you getting into so this is a funny one like legitimately I think I was nine years old and my favorite band was Aerosmith. Okay. Of of all bands, and it was right when 
Um, this is like comeback Aerosmith. Um, and it was when Get a Grip came out, okay. which was their 1993 LP that had um, like a million music videos with Alicia Silverstone in them <laughs> and um, like a bunch of singles. But it also had the album cover that had the cow with the Aerosmith branded logo on it and, and a pierced udder. And I remember nine, it well. Nine-year-old me thought that was the most punk rock thing he'd ever seen, which is, <laughs> is hilarious in hindsight. But um, So yeah, got really big into Aerosmith. Um, and I think a lot of it was just, um, you know, growing up, um, we had like a, a pretty sh- uh, strong like modern rock station on the radio here in Vancouver that I would listen to, you know, where, whenever I could, my, um, I had a babysitter who, who would listen to that. So that's when, uh, you know, I mean, Aerosmith was kind of, a, I guess a gateway to classic rock, sure. but, but the radio was really the gateway to, you know, what, what it, it's hilariously now classic rock, but the Nirvana <laughs> and, and Pearl Jam and Metallica and Green Day and all those bands kind of right. thing for sure. Yeah. Right. So we're talking, we're talking early, early to mid nineties. Um, and, and then it just kind of veers off from there for sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so were, when you were, as you were listening to Aerosmith, were you go, were you going back and experiencing their earlier catalog? Yes. Okay toys in the attic and all that stuff yeah that was one thing i discovered uh was that a lot of their back catalog had been reissued and was relatively cheap on cd okay and so i've got i i mean now i i you know i'm a more of a vinyl collector and have been for the better part of the last 15 years but um but i i had like i've probably got five or six hundred cds and that started definitely in the 90s and and for the for the first little while I, the good majority of my cd collection was was a lot of aerosmith records <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really interesting um so you you had the you said you had like the the really strong modern rock station in the in the 90s and so that kind of pushed you yeah. in that direction um yeah. as you got older how did you find that your tastes were changing it, it it's like not that I'm uh, like a tastemaker now or anything, <laughs> but but like I, I'm someone who has opinions and shares them all the time, right? Sure. And, and kind of have a, a Twitter persona based around that. Um, but as a young person, I very much was influenced by trends and what was on the radio and what was on. Um, here in Canada, we had our own equivalent to MTV called Much Music. Right. Um, so watching the weekly video countdown and 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 um, the other thing um, that we have here in Canada is the CanCon law, which I'm not sure. Are you familiar with this? Uh, I I know what it. I I kind of know what it is. I'm a big Bare Naked Ladies fan. Sure. And so like I've stu- I know I know a little about Canadian music and that kind of thing, but. Uh, why don't I, I don't think I could ever like tell somebody what it was. So. Sure. So we have, uh, I mean, CanCon literally is short for Canadian content and what it basically means is all television and radio and any kind of broad, you know, media, um, has to have a certain percentage that is Canadian, okay. uh, in its production or, or the, the, you know, in the case of music, 
um, you know, 35% of all the music played on the radio or 35% of all the videos played on the television have to be made by Canadian artists. And so the, you know, various stations that would, and, and radio stations, television stations that would have to adhere to these laws, right? So um, you get a lot of artists that become massive in Canada that barely make a, a, a dent in the United States and elsewhere because like by law, they get a lot more airplay than, you know, maybe is warranted or, or is, uh, <laughs> or is, you know, people always joke that's how Nickelback got so big, but, right. um, it was, it was the joke that was coming to my head. Yes, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. But, um, but like, I mean, that's how I just, like you mentioned bare naked ladies. Like I, 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 around the same time I was buying, Aerosmith records, like me and my friends were all buying uh, Gordon, you know, their, their right. first uh, album yep. that was massive, right? Um, and, you know, a lot of things were definitely influenced by those laws. Okay. And a lot of the artists, um, certainly when it comes to like a lot of Canadian alternative artists from the 90s that um, seemingly me and some of my friends were the only people who remember is because they were getting a lot of, of airplay, um, certainly video play on, on much music. And so... That definitely helped shape shape my influence as far as that goes. But I, I kind of realized I veered off um, from no, the question fine. a little bit. I definitely was a trend follower. I was not a trendsetter. Sure. Uh, you know when when Green Day and Offspring and all those bands you know blew up in 1994. I was I was onto that. And when when new metal was was massive in the late <laughs> 90s, I was onto that. And and it really wasn't um, until. I kind of got to my senior years in high school and, and more college that I started to veer a little bit off uh, of what you would consider, I guess, mainstream. Sure. Um, and then I really took off from there for sure. So. Okay. Uh, do you remember the first concert you went to? Yes, I definitely do. So the other thing that is very convenient, and I can send this to you as a reference if you were interested, I have a list of every concert I've ever been to. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's over 600 at this point. Um, and it's all, it's, I've got dates, I've got venues, I've got opening acts, I've got everything, everything written down on a, on a Word document. So Nice. Uh, so the first concert I ever went to um, is by someone who was recently canceled. Mm. Um, so in the spring of 1999, there was an ill-fated co-headlining tour that I think maybe made it five or six dates before the, the bands could no longer stand one another and <laughs> and uh, it ceased to um, continue. Uh, it was Marilyn Manson and Hole okay. co-headlining with Monster Magnet as the opener. Sure. Um, and I, yeah, it was March 2nd, 1999 at the Pacific Coliseum in Vancouver, British Columbia. And, uh, and yeah, my friends and I, the funniest thing is like, I remember one of my friends coming to me saying like, oh, Marilyn Manson and Hole are coming. We should go see them. And sort of thinking like, oh yeah, that, that'd be fun, I guess. And then saying like, oh yeah, Monster Magnet is also playing. And Space Lord was like the coolest song we had ever heard at that point. Sure. And so that was like the, oh, Monster Magnet are opening. We are definitely <laughs> going. It's like, we're the only people who, uh, who uh, I think had that thought process. But I still to this day have a t-shirt that I bought at that concert. And it, it's a Monster Magnet t-shirt. At, um, they had two shirts. I remember paid thirty five dollars because that was you know that's going right at a at a big arena show, um, even in nineteen ninety nine. And uh, uh, they had one that said that had the lyrics to Space Lord and and not the radio version, the uh, you know the uncensored version. Sure. 
which I knew my mother would not let me wear. <laughs> um, but the other shirt they had had um, just a really gaudy like graphic of the band like flanked by these bikini models, like all like throwing, like making it rain in the air with monster magnet in, you know, big, big letters on the front and then on the back, it had their logo. And then the lyrics, I'm never going to work another day in my life. And, uh, which is lyrics to a song called power trip. I still really like. Right. And, uh, and yeah, I have that shirt. I turned it into a cutoff maybe 10, 15 years ago, but it's pretty faded. And I do still have it in, in one of my drawers somewhere, you know, 20 on 20 odd years later. That that's actually really awesome. Yeah, uh, I do vaguely remember that uh, that whole Marilyn Manson thing, and you know, Courtney and Brian not getting along, and correct, it, yeah. end, it ending up basically ruining the tour. I, and I believe Vancouver was maybe the second date on the tour, okay. and they were like taking pot shots at each other during their set. I, I <laughs> definitely remember that. Very professional. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so you are you have become well known recently um, for your YouTube series, Daniel Macabe Ruins X. I don't know if I'm well known for it, well, but it is a thing. It is a thing it, that it I is do. A thing yes. that, it is a thing that you do. Um, <laughs> yes. How did that start? Uh, I mean, the whole purpose of it was a, it's it's a, essentially it, it, YouTube is just for archiving purposes, but um, it started as kind of a challenge. Uh, the gauntlet was laid down by one Mr. Alex Shelley, uh, who is a pretty legendary, you know, certainly independent wrestler, but also, you know, 10 years in Japan and TNA and Ring of Honor and every kind of important promotion ever. Um, And he discovered me. I don't even remember how, but he sort of found me. It's like, okay, here's this technical wrestling kid who has cool taste in music. I think I recommended, um, you know, for those unaware, I make a daily musical recommendation on my Twitter every single day. I have for the last two and a half years. Um, I recommended a Nutrimo Hotel song, and and he saw that and was like, "Oh wow, an independent wrestler who likes Nutrimo Hotel. That's kind of cool." And then I think I commented like, "Well, I actually played in a Nutrimo Hotel cover band at one <laughs> point," and he was like, "Well, now you're my favorite wrestler ever." And <laughs> He started doing these like little acoustic <laughs> covers, challenging me like, "Hey, if I can do this, you know, is he gonna is he gonna retort, you know?" And it literally it started with him playing a Guided by Voices song. Um, I think it was Game of Pricks, and I like legitimately in real time I saw it and I turned to my roommate and I said okay, I need you to leave the room. I have to knock this out like right now. And I like got my tripod. I grabbed my guitar and I played Motor Away by, by Guided by Voices. I did it in one take and put it, you know, I, I had retorted on Twitter within half an hour kind of thing in nice. real time. And, uh, and then it just kind of stemmed from there where like I think when one of us had some free time, it's like occasionally I, you know, open Twitter and it's like, oh God, I've, I've got a million, you know, notifications. It's probably because Alex Shelley, who's, you know, obviously got some followers right uh, has posted a video and tagged me in it and uh, and then sometimes it would be just sort of you know at Christmas time I just sort of thought okay I'm gonna let's post a cover and and you know just keeping the conversation going and also it was in the age of covid where I don't have a whole heck of a lot else going on and trying to keep the interest in in whenever our inevitable ma- uh, inevitable match uh, would happen right so so yeah that's how that started and and ruins is because I, i'm not a good singer and, <laughs> and i've never claimed to be i was a better singer when i was younger i definitely had a better range uh it's just something i haven't kept up with or, sure. or trained or practiced 
the only time I do vocals is is in some of my bands. I do backing vocals, but they're punk bands, right? So, sure. Um, and and it's definitely one of those. I mean, as a singer, I can attest. It's definitely one of those things where if you don't exercise those muscles, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. Yeah, that is definitely definitely the case. So, so uh, yeah. So ruins is just me being um, self loathing, right? And whatever. So yeah. Um. So are you? So are you in multiple bands currently? I mean, before the pandemic, yes. Sure. Okay. Uh, still, uh, who's to say? I don't <laughs> who know. knows? Uh, who knows? Uh, one of my bands has not practiced since February of 2020, um, which was a, a seven-piece. Um, I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, we're certainly uh, inspired by bands like Swans and Godspeed You Black Emperor, um, by some like avant-garde composers like Stephen sure. Reich. Um, and that band is called Griefwalker, uh, and it's a predominantly instrumental band okay. um, with a lot of different instrumentation. We have um, like a harmonium, and we have um, a hammer dulcimer. Oh, wow. Um, we have, you know, a lot of percussion going on, um, you know, very, tons of cymbals and added, um, added toms and... Um, oh, what's the other thing we have going on? Like, um, it's like a slide guitar, but it's not called that. What? Uh, like, a, like a lap steel. A lap steel, steel. Correct. Yes. I I never come anywhere near any of these things because I'm the boring guy who always plays guitar in that band. Whereas <laughs> there's a couple of people who are like constantly rotating through different instruments depending on what um, the song is. Baritone guitars too. There's multiple baritone guitars in okay. the band. So, um, so very heavy, very dark. Um, although I don't play drop tune, which is interesting. Um, mm. And so, yeah, so that band was something that was um, really fun and exciting. And we had played some festivals uh, the last couple of years. And, um, but seven people in a room is not a very uh, COVID friendly activity, I guess. And so we haven't practiced uh, uh, since uh, the beginning of 2020. Okay. The, the other band that I was playing in is more of a straightforward kind of post punk band called Taxa, uh, very much inspired by um, like 90s. DC, like Fugazi. Um, there's a band called Unwound uh, who are definitely an influence. Um, more straightforward, four-piece. Um, we've had one or two practices when COVID, um, I guess, r- rules have maybe eased up a little bit over right. the last year or so. But even that band, like I, I probably haven't practiced with those guys in nine months at this point. So. Mm. Um, so yeah, it hasn't been a it hasn't been a lot. Um, I brought most of my like my pedal board and a bunch of my guitars home with me. Um, I can't play guitar very loudly at home, sure, um, because I do live in a condo. Um, but uh, it's you know it's something that I can still go to and and kind of scratch that itch, even yeah. if um, you know it's not the, exactly the same experience, right? Have you have you tried like making like recording like solo stuff? Other than other than like the videos, yeah, you know what I, one of my goals, um, kind of when this all started, and I, I realized I was gonna have a lot of time to myself, was there's a solo project that I've wanted to do for years, and I have kind of a, a theme and a concept. I've got a name, um, but I'm a terrible self-starter, and I think I work uh, certainly when it comes to music. Uh, I work better in a group. Um, as someone who kind of adds dynamic to a song. I'm, I'm not, 
yeah, I just don't feel like I'm a, a super talented songwriter or someone who comes up with a good kind of root sure. of a song. Um, if you want me to come up with like a, a really nice sad melody to play over your rhythm, like <laughs> I'm your guy. But um, but otherwise, yeah. So, uh, you know, last year there were times where I, I, I got real serious about it and sat down and sort of thought it out like, OK, I only need to write five songs. Let's write these five songs and just get it done with. And I just have I haven't found time for it in the last little while. And it, it's it's becoming my albatross for sure. It's, it's something I've wanted to do for years. I've had a, a kind of a, a long distance project that I've wanted to do with one of my best friends who uh, used to live in Vancouver. He now lives in Montreal. Um, and there's a, a project that we wanted to do together and, and almost thought it would be more um, poetic if we, if we did it long distance, but neither of us actually you know, takes the time to do our part and, and make it happen. <laughs> so, um, I mean, no excuses. It's just, it's just, um, it's, I'm, I mean, but it is I'm making excuses. So here we are. <laughs> I totally understand. I mean, I've got like, I've got like three or four projects in the, in the works right now and I'm probably not going to finish any of them, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, for some people that's, that's, you know, the, the process is the, is the whole point of it. Right. Right. Um, I'm, I'm kind of uh, still like an impatient child in that, like, I hate recording. Like when, even with my, whenever my bands, you know, booked some studio time where we record in our, our practice space and I mean, you know, take the time to, to do things properly. I have no patience for it. <laughs> um, I, I definitely, and maybe this ties into the wrestling. I much prefer the act of, of live performance sure. than I do to the actual, um, composition and mastery, which um, I, I think it's maybe because I've done a lot of the composition and mastery of wrestling earlier in my life. You know, in my twenties, I was really learning my, um, you know, learning my craft. I guess, mm -hmm. um, which isn't to say I'm not learning now, because if you stop learning, then what are you doing, right? Sure. But, um, but I think uh, I'm a lot further ahead in that skill set than I am when it comes to music. Totally understand. Okay. Um, what kind of stuff are you listening to now? Oh boy. I am. I really like my biggest pet peeve is when someone, when you ask someone like, what, what do you like? What do you listen to? And they say everything. Sure. Because anyone who says that doesn't actually listen to everything. They most certainly do not. Yeah. Um, so I don't listen to everything, but sure. I am fairly eclectic. Okay. Um, uh, what do I like lately? I don't know. Um, I, it's funny because I've like I talked to my like I, I have wrestling friends. I've got music friends. Most of my music friends I know from kind of the, the local punk scene. Okay. And that's where I met a lot of the, the people that I play with now. Even if you know we're a bunch of punk guys doing non-punk things, right? We're doing this weird avant-garde instrumental band, right? Um, but it's because we have, you know, a lot of varied uh, interests and influences. But I still return back to, you know, a lot of, you know, I, I grew up in uh, going to local straight edge hardcore shows. And so I still have a foot, you know, pretty deeply rooted in in that scene. Um, so I listen to a lot of a lot of punk and, and hardcore. Um, but I also listen to a lot of ambient music and a lot of post rock and a lot of experimental um, stuff, for sure. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I'm just look. I'm scrolling through my my 2021 stuff on my <laughs> Spotify just to think. I mean, there's been some really good records this year. Some of which by bands we will definitely talk about later because uh, one of them does my theme music currently. There you go. Um, but uh, and some by by bands that um, that I you know I discovered for the first time this year. So um, I will say that I I tend to I'm rooted in guitar music. I will okay. say that. So kind of a lot of variations on, on that, whether it's it's a 90 second hardcore song or it's a, a 30 minute experimental post rock song. Um, a lot of it is definitely centered in, in, in guitar for sure. That makes a lot of sense um, as somebody who also plays guitar. I do tend to focus on guitar based music. Um, I do also listen to a lot of rap and hip hop just that's because that's what I listened to growing up. Um, that's but, fair. Yeah. And and I always try, you know, especially if something really like breaks as being like, this is the big hip hop record of the year. Or these are, you know, the big, I mean, admittedly, like a lot of my tastes in my twenties were shaped by reading magazine or, you know, websites like pitchfork and, sure. and stereo gum and, and those kind of things. And, you know, uh, like pitchfork certainly leans quite heavy into more, pop and and hip-hop and and rap rooted things and so it's like okay this is what's popular i'm going to give this a try and it uh, most of it just does not click with me so (laughs) yeah there's a a lot of the modern a lot of like the the super modern stuff doesn't um really sit with me either i it's funny you say the thing about people who you know people who say they listen to everything don't actually listen to everything um i am one of those people who actually does listen to everything i have sort of set myself a goal of listening to as much new music as possible this year so every friday like i comb through the new releases and i like pick like 40 or 50 albums that i'm going to listen to during the week see that's that's amazing and that sounds like living the dream to me (laughs) i have i have my list on spotify that is my 2021 mixtape which at the end of the year will get diluted down to maybe 50 songs and and i won't repeat artists you know it'll be like this is this is the two and a half hours that are the cream of the crop, uh, you know, of releases, right? Right. But currently, it's like I don't know, like seven hundred songs, yeah. and it's just full albums. I throw full albums in there, and the first half is like this is all stuff that I love. I might own, you know, physical physical copies of. I've listened to it a decent amount of times. It's all in chronological order because I'm OCD like that. Um, but then literally the last half of it is like, these are just new albums I still need to listen to. And it's probably like, yeah, 30 or 40, uh, things. And unfortunately I don't have a job where I'm able to listen to music like at while I'm working. And, and so, um, that I, I previously did. And so I really have to be diligent about keeping up with new music, um, because there's also podcasts that I listen to, or, you know, I'm watching, wrestling to prepare for an upcoming match i like to watch tape on opponents you know sure. so I'm, or if just i hear something is good and i want to watch it so i need to find time for all the media the media in my life right and um it's definitely been more of a struggle in the last couple of years since I've, I've been at my current employer so hmm. yeah that makes a lot of sense i actually had to cut back on the number of podcasts that i listened to in order to do this um so yeah sort that of like doesn't shock, doesn't shock m- me. mondays mondays are for podcasts because that's when i listen to between the sheets and that That's, pretty much eats up my entire work day. And I used I used to between the sheets. I was say between the sheets used to be a Monday thing for me. And now, like if I finish between the sheets by Wednesday or Thursday, I'm lucky. So, <laughs> um, 
So yeah, and even like some weeks, if it runs long and, and it hits that six six hour mark, um, sometimes I'm not finishing it until the weekend. Admittedly, I put it aside and listen to maybe some new things that pop up on Tuesday and Wednesday, and sure. then go back to between the sheets. But sure. Um, if I happen to be on between the sheets that particular week, which is once a year basically at this point, um, then Monday and Tuesday are right off because you're spending like three hours each night recording it with those guys. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, so do you listen to music at the gym? Uh, you know what? I go to the gym most of the time with a friend of mine. Okay. And so we don't because we're like we're talking between sets or we're doing whatever so the only thing you know is when i'm doing cardio um and typically i watch wrestling while i'm doing cardio so um so the the odd time that i am working out by myself i will certainly uh listen to music but i'm not one of these guys who's who gets inspired to to go harder by listening listening to some heavy you know uh heavy stuff yeah it's um um, what about road trips? I know you with you being with you being in the West, and I know you you tend to wrestle quite a bit in the East. So I, I assume you fly more than you drive these days. Yeah, I mean, when uh, so full admission, and then this might be dated by the time this comes out, but like the the U.S. Canada border is still not open for okay. driving, right? Right. So in a, in a pre COVID world. I'm driving to Seattle or Portland probably two or three times a month. Okay. Um, and Seattle's about 150 miles from me. Portland's about 325, somewhere around there. Okay. Um, so it depends on who I'm sharing the car with. You know, it, Certainly if you're on the road with other wrestlers, um, quite often, from my experience, you're not putting anything on because it's it's more about you know, telling stories and okay. BSing and the camaraderie and, and all that sort of stuff. Um, if I'm by myself, typically I like to listen to podcasts on long drives. Okay. And certainly if it's like a late night drive, I find that keeps me more attentive and awake than, than music does. Um, and if I'm flying, um, which, yeah, so as of late, I mean, the last however many matches I've had, Actually, when's the last time I drove to a booking? Let me think. <laughs> <laughs> the last time I drove to a booking was, oh man, February seventh, twenty twenty. I had a, I had a match in Seattle. Wow. Well, that's not true. March first, March first, twenty twenty. I had a match in Portland. Okay. Um, but yeah, that's the last time I drove to a booking because the following weekend I was I was flown to Europe, and then I didn't wrestle for seven months, and then I flew to Indiana. And then I didn't wrestle for several months, and then I flew to Florida, and then I didn't wrestle for several months, and I flew to Tennessee. So, <laughs> um, and the next, uh, you know what? I I will be driving myself to a booking. By the time this comes out, it'll it'll probably have happened already. But my next booking is is a mere thirty minute drive from here. Ooh. So, so there we go. Um, it, it's within the country, <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So. Um, so yeah, flying, it's a little bit of, a, it's a mix. You know, if I'm, um, the other thing about being a West Coast guy who wrestles on the East Coast a lot is it's a lot of red eyes. Sure. And so it's a lot of me trying to get as much sleep as I can right. um, on a plane, which isn't always easy. 
Um, if I'm trying to sleep, typically I'm putting on some kind of ambient music. I'm putting on something that's instrumental or with, um, I would say, I would say non-traditional vocals. Like if, okay. if it's, I don't want to focus on words or, or someone trying to tell me like a really, um, obvious narrative. Right. Um, because then my mind is going to be more attentive and it's going to struggle to sleep. So I'm putting on something like Sierra Rose or uh, Mogwai mm-hmm. or Grouper, who's an amazing ambient artist from Portland who I love, um, and, and trying to just kind of doze off where I can. So, Makes sense. Yeah. Makes a ton of sense. All right. We are going to take a break. Um, and on the other side, we are going to talk about wrestling and how music and wrestling kind of work together. Sounds good. Welcome back to Hit My Music. I am David Kincannon, and I am here with my guest, Daniel Maccabe. So, Daniel, when did you first start watching wrestling? Oh, uh, the first show that I watched, and this will really date how old I am, <laughs> um, is my father took me to a closed circuit screening of WrestleMania 7. Okay. At um, the Pacific Coliseum, where I saw uh, previously the aforementioned Pacific Coliseum, where I saw Marilyn Manson in Hole, um, and uh, which is, uh, I mean, at the time it was a hockey arena. I mean, it still technically is, but it's not. It's vacant now. Like no one, there's no permanent resident there. Right. It's an ugly old building. It's still in Vancouver, um, but uh, yeah. So he took me to see a closed circuit screening of WrestleMania when closed circuit was still a thing. Um, and I don't know if pay-per-view was quite, it certainly wasn't widespread. I don't even know if it was a thing in Canada at that point. And that's oh, okay. when closed circuit still existed. Um, but yeah, WrestleMania seven back in, in spring of 1991. And honestly, I was instantly hooked. Um, and from that point on, I was watching the weekly syndicated programs on the weekends and I was getting the magazines and I was yeah following along pretty pretty religiously as a as a as a child for okay. sure yeah. all right when did you start actually wrestling um i mean i first started backyarding and horsing around with my friends when we were like 11 or 12 um on a trampoline okay and then kind of went through various phases of that you know just like you know wrestling kind of was hot and cold sure um i my love for it never really waned, but it was the people surrounding me who, you know, their interest in it kind of was hot and cold. And so I didn't have friends to really backyard with at certain periods of my life. And then when the Attitude Era happens and everyone's a wrestling fan because of Stone Cold and right. the NWO and all that sort of stuff, then it was like, oh, wrestling is cool again. Let's backyard. <laughs> um, but, uh, and then I met, um, some friends of mine um, 
through um, an online forum and, and website called the Death Valley Driver Video Review, which is a pretty, um, I don't know, it's something that, that gets spoken of a lot, sure. uh, certainly in recent times. I mean, most famously, Tony Khan of AEW, you know, posted there, although no one really knew who he was at the time. Right. Um, and a lot of people who, you know, really were tastemakers uh, of the time and in, to a certain degree still to this day um, were, were writing there. You know, the aforementioned between the sheets, you know, Chris Zellner and David Bixenspan were were people that I, I met through uh, posting on that message form and reading those reviews. And I happened to meet uh, my friend Scott, who also posted on that forum, and he was going to a local independent show and he made a post about hey is anyone else from vancouver do you go to these shows and so i was like oh well i i'm from vancouver i go to these shows and we met there and uh we started talking via uh, instant message it was icq at the time which okay. really also dates uh sure dates me and um realized that we both were you know backyarding with our independent group of friends uh independent from one another and we started backyarding together uh, when we were like 16, 17. And that carried on for a while until uh, a couple years later, we uh, decided to go get trained at one of uh, uh, the local, there was a couple of res- local wrestling schools here in Vancouver. But um, yeah, I, so I got trained when I was 19 years old okay. in the summer of 2003. Um, and made my pro debut later that year in November of 2003. So. All right. Hmm. So that's uh, going on 20 years. That's pretty Going cool. on 20 years, but I can never claim to be a 20-year sure. vet because I took like 12 years off. <laughs> so That's all right. Uh, yeah. you know, sometimes, sometimes it works better that way. I honestly, it, it so much worked better that way. Yeah. It totally worked better that way. This is a tangent, but if I had stuck with independent wrestling and the way that it was going in the early 2000s, um, and there's no way that I would be where I am today. Sure. Um, I would have burnt out on it. I would have grown to hate it. Um, I would have grown to hate the people around me. I already hated the people around me. Okay. You know, um, independent wrestling in the early 2000s, you know, everyone kind of um, thinks about you know, Ring of Honor and mm-hmm. and Jersey All Pro and CZW and all these kind of like cool independents that uh, IWA Mid South that were getting a lot you know a lot of footage out via and getting buzz with you know Smart Mark Video and and you know Ring of Honor certainly had their own distribution through RF and whatever. Right. But the rest of the independence was not like that, and the West Coast was really late to adopt any kind of what I'll call a work rate style. Okay. Um, and also like I, you know, when I debuted, I was, I remember I, I was like six foot one, 185 pounds and they had to, they wanted to work my weight up They're like, Oh, 185. That's a little low. Let's say you're 200. <laughs> it's like, okay. Whereas like nowadays, you know, six foot one, I'm a giant on the independent sure. compared to a lot of people. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, like the independents really weren't suited for Death Valley Driver video reviewing, you know, reading me who wanted to have cool work rate matches with my friends. And right. so, um, whereas now I, you know, um, I kind of get to do whatever the hell I want and 
you know, the world is so much smaller thanks to, you know, the internet and social media and, you know, literally you could have no clue who I am. And, and after hearing this, say, this guy sounds kind of interesting and YouTube my name and you could watch a hundred matches of mine tomorrow. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And that certainly was not a possibility in 2003. Right. Okay. Uh, let's circle back to the WWF and, and as a kid, uh, did you have any particularly fond? Do you, have, do you have any particularly fond memories of wrestler entrance themes? Did you have any favorites? Yes, uh, definitely. Um, I most definitely rented the Pile Driver home video okay. uh, multiple times as a kid. Which Pile Driver was their uh, second record that the WWF put After out after the wrestling in, album. Correct. The wrestling album is eighty-four or eighty-five, maybe. I think it's 85. Pile Driver's 87, I believe. And yeah, I rented that video, which had music videos for, for most of the songs on, on that record. Um, I have subsequently been gifted an original pressing of that record. I have it. Um, wow. They recently, within the last couple of years, reissued both those records, I think as like a double LP set. Um which I probably should have bought, but yeah, I got an original, <laughs> I got an original copy of pile driver. Um, and so, yeah, as a kid, I loved demolitions theme sure. for sure. That was a big one. Um, who else? Like I always think it's really funny when people ask me like who my f- first favorite wrestler was, you know, I'm known for being technically savvy or whatever. Right. And my first favorite wrestler was the ultimate warrior. Um, <laughs> And so, like, I loved his theme. Like, it's just, like, whatever, kind of a boring guitar riff. But, um, but yeah, so I guess I was definitely drawn to, like, the heavier, riffier uh, uh, WWF themes, uh, apparently, from, you know, Demolition and, and The Ultimate Warrior. Makes sense. Um, but, yeah, like, that's one thing that they did so well then that, like, they created these, like, instantly like memorable characters that like you could hear a couple notes or or the first bar of of a a wwf theme from that era and like almost be transported back to your childhood you know that's absolutely Uh, true yeah that's absolutely true there's a a name who like only like real hardcore is bad around is someone who who probably needs to be inducted into i mean i i don't know if he's on the best terms with the wwf and their hall of fame doesn't really hold much weight but um, the Observer Hall of Fame is Jim Johnston. Yep. Um, he absolutely deserves all the credit that that he should get for sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, I I am I am a firm believer that a lot of those characters would not have been as popular and as successful as they were if it weren't for the themes that Jim Johnston wrote for them. I think that's that's very fair for sure. Okay. Uh, do you have any favorite uh, live music performances at wrestling? Or in around wrestling. Oh, interesting. Oh man, all that's coming to mind are like really funny, bad ones. <laughs> I'm trying to think. I'm a big fan of the Salt and Peppa performance at WrestleMania 11 with Lawrence Taylor. Yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like other like. There's no WWF ones that like. I certainly have a, a good recall for a lot of them. Sure, but like. Nothing that's like, oh, yeah, that really, like, 
really does it for me. I'm it's waiting for the day that somebody says the Kiss performance on Nitro. Oh, yeah. I love Kiss. I low-key love Kiss, but that is not good. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> did, do they play God of Thunder? I don't even remember what they played. I don't. Like, I, I yeah. don't. I don't think so. I think they played something off whatever the oh, new one of the album new, oh, was. Oh, they probably played something off the new record. That yeah, I think sense. they played something off whatever the new record was, of which I don't – was that Psycho Circus at that point? It would have been Psycho Circus, yeah, probably. That That's 98, but I, they didn't have anything yeah. after that for quite some time. So, right. um, yeah, I'm all in on, on Early Kiss for okay. sure, um, much to a lot of people's chagrin. But, um, <laughs> and uh, – so let me think what 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 is good that I can associate. Hmm. You stumped me there. Well, there there is some there is some I'm sure there's something that I'm that I'm spacing out on that I that I truly love, but uh Well, if you think of something as we're talking, come back to it and Sounds good. All right. Uh let's do before we get into your entrance themes. Do you have thoughts on what makes for a good entrance theme? Yeah. Um I think, like, it's something that's got to have some kind of hook, in, technically, technically, says the guy who, whose song that doesn't have a hook. We'll get to it. But the fact that it doesn't have, have a hook has sort of become the hook. Yes. Um, but it, it, and the other thing I got to say, it, you know, is you got to find something that, um, you know, whether it has a hook or not, people connect at some, you know, and it becomes recognizable. Right. And you have to be patient. The thing that drives me insane is if you work, you work shows with people and they try something out once or twice. Oh, I don't really like that. And then they try something else out and they, they try something else out. And it typically it's a lot of the stuff that sort of sounds the same, you know? Sure. Um, they're just kind of cycling through, you know, and, and maybe this isn't as prevalent nowadays, but it's a lot of like, just bad radio rock or new metal or, or whatever, you know, that all has similar sounding production and guitars and, and whatever. And, and for some people that works, but like, I don't think that necessarily, um, yeah, there's few people certainly on the independence nowadays who, who have music that I truly like get up for or connect to, or could even tell you what their theme is. You right. know? Um, but like the ones that stand out, like really stand out to me. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I'm the best person to ask, uh, <laughs> what makes a good theme song. Cause there will be people that tell you that I have a, uh, actively have a bad theme song. Um, but that was by, uh, choice as well. Okay. And we can tell that story when we get there. Absolutely. But the reason, yeah, there, there is a, there is a, a method to my madness. Okay. That, so. I'm sure, I'm sure that that does not surprise me. Yeah. So. Let's talk about that song first. So sure. you are your current theme song. Yes, is a song by Godspeed You Black Emperor mm-hmm. called Providence. Now Providence is not really a song. Providence, it seems, is like a like a four movement piece. Yes, from what I can tell. Um, yeah. I've I've listened to Godspeed You Black Emperor, but only very recently, and I haven't gotten into this part of their catalog yes so this was pretty new to me when i started watching your matches so let's play a little bit of that (laughs) 
So as you as you said, you know, you sort of listen to a lot of this ambient music, and that's definitely what this has. And I think it's it's interesting for an entrance. So what led you to use this as your entrance theme? So it, it honestly really ties into the previous theme that I used. Okay. So I don't know um, if we should go there and then come back. We can do that. Um, because they kind of, they, 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 they tell the full package, the full story together. So um, like, let's, if I'm not, tell, I'm not producing your show for you, but <laughs> um, if you don't mind, let's take a step back to the previous theme and then we'll jump back to the, the present day because Providence is, you know, it's come to be what everyone associates me with. Right. Um, but it, it had a, a real, um, there was a thought process that led me there and it, it was all stemming from the previous, previous song that I used. Okay. So. And I assume that the, the song you're talking about in, in is teenage is a uh, teenage kicks by the undertones. Correct. Okay. That sounds like this. So that was what you used before Providence. Yes. What what led to that? So, um, Teenage Kicks by the Undertones was something that I had batted around using for, for a while. Um, I was starting to work in a promotion called 321 Battle in Seattle, Washington. Um, and initially it was just kind of something to do for fun. It was once a month. It was going to see my friends in Seattle. It was, you know, you know, them scraping together transportation money for a carload of Canadians. It, it was nothing, you know, it was a fun crowd, but it was, you know, not a huge crowd. And, um, I, uh, was teaming, uh, with, uh, my friend Drew and trying to come up with a, uh, uh, just a fun, upbeat theme song that we could use uh, as a tag team. And um, we were kind of uh, batting, you know, butting heads, um, trying to come up with something. Okay. Um, and, you know, I'd used a lot of indie rock. I'd used a lot of hardcore, you know, previously in, in you know, in backyard stuff and, and whatever. And, and we'll touch on that later. But, um, you know, I wanted something that was going to be fun and that people would get really up for um because that was not something that i had really experienced a ton of um because i was very much um i guess playing the self-serving role of well what do i want to come out to i don't really care if it's like popular or whatever um and so i had suggested um songs by new order i had i had even suggested a song by kylie minogue uh <laughs> Uh, as something that would be fun and upbeat and people sure. would get into. And then I thought, you know, no one has ever used Teenage Kicks and that song just gets, you know, it's it's got such a good beat yeah. and just a super catchy, really simplistic riff. Um, and it's got a great, you know, like kind of not necessarily a sing-along, but kind of a chant-along on the chorus. And so uh, I suggested it and he begrudgingly gave in. <laughs> We used it as a tag team a few times and then we kind of stopped having team tag team matches and I just loved, loved it so much that I've sort of thought, okay, well this is now my singles theme. And 
I, to this day, I, I kind of uh, credit that song with helping get me over to that crowd in Seattle Okay. because they got up for the song because of how good it is. And it kind of not, you know, they hear that opening drum fill and then the riff kicks in and people would legitimately get up off their feet. Like, Oh yeah, I love this song. Okay. Now he's going to come out and, and it's going to be a good time, you know? And it got to the point where, you know, within a, a year, year and a half of, of you using that song, people would be dancing in the aisle and singing nice. along for my entrance. And, and I honestly credit that t- to getting me over as a babyface for, okay. for that kind of hometown crowd in Seattle. Right. Um, to the point that, um, so let's say I started using that theme in the spring of 2015. In the fall of 2017, the time came for me to make a heel turn and turn on some of my former partners and this is where we enter Providence. Right. Um, I specifically wanted what I referred to privately as anti-theme music. I wanted something as far away as you could get from Teenage Kicks. I wanted, I didn't want a rhythm. I didn't want any kind of percussion. And I wanted something that would give a visceral experience that when people heard the opening bars of it, they would go, Oh, what is this song? (laughs) And would have that kind of, uh, you know, like natural association with, I don't like this. I don't understand it. I don't like this person, you know, because of that. And so that was, you know, the origin of that. I tried, I went through kind of a library of of songs along those lines. You know, there was a there's a song by Mogwai that I that I almost used. Um, there's a different Godspeed You Black Emperor song that I almost used that was just it was just a string section just going going wild for like a two minute two minute passage of just um, it almost feels like a like a storm just mm-hmm. being surrounded by strings. And I thought that would be um, you know something that would you know, make people feel almost claustrophobic. Um, and so I, I literally, like I narrowed it down to three or four songs and I would find myself just w- going for walks, listening to these songs, trying to figure out what is going to evoke the, the kind of reaction that I want and, and what just sounds different and unique. And I settled on, you know, that section of Providence and got one of my my musician friends to to edit it down to a nice concise two minute file. There you go. Um, which is labeled Daniel Makabe theme, so I can email it to promoters, as opposed to hey, fast forward forty five seconds into Providence, <laughs> um, which is a thirty minute song. Right. <laughs> so, and and there have been times where uh, promoters have, uh, oh yeah, we don't we don't do MP threes. We we only we just stream off of Spotify. Well, I got a I got a forty five second intro tonight then. So right. because um which is mostly spoken word. Uh you know, the intro right. to Providence is is like a found recording of a discussion going on between two people kind of in the streets. And there's there's a lot of, of kind of chaos and noise going on in the background. You can hear cars, you can hear multiple discussions kind of converging, and uh, and then that kind of ethereal hum just kind of um swells in. And you're kind of overtaken by this this otherworldly sound. And it's, you know, the first time you hear it, it's jarring. But 
here we find ourselves almost four years later and now it gets a pot, which is wild. <laughs> it is wild. <laughs> yeah. But it is, I think it is a testament to, so I think the, the psychology of using that music for your heel turn, I think is, is pretty much genius. I mean, that's brilliant. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and, but I think the fact that it has become sort of this, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, it's become this touchstone for people yeah. that, and they've come to associate it with you and the people who enjoy your work have, have you know, it's turned into something, it's turned into a positive for them. Yes, for and sure. So I, I think that's a testament to you as a wrestler and as a performer. I, 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 one, thank you. I appreciate that. That's, that's a, a really nice compliment, but, but I think there definitely is, is a logic there. And, and by the kind of tail end of, of three, my run in three twin battle, you know, a promotion that's no longer in existence for various reasons we won't go into. Um, but you know, I, I never really veered from truly playing the role of a heel there, but there would be you know, that portion of the crowd, be it, you know, a third or some, some nights a half, some nights more that they'd hear that, you know, the opening of that song and sort of, it wasn't, yes, this is a good guy who we like to cheer for. It's yes, this is our guy. And we have one of the best kept secrets on the independence and, and, and he's our guy right. and we appreciate his, we've come to appreciate his work, you know? And certainly when I started, working abroad more you know when i oh maybe i'd miss a show in seattle you know next time i come back the reaction when that song plays oh he's back we get to see him he's in town tonight you know it's it becomes a thing which i you know i hats off i love i love seattle <laughs> i very much love that city <laughs> um you know my girlfriend's from that city so i've got a soft yeah. spot for that city sure and and that city made me and, and really gave me a lot of amazing opportunities that i that i would not have had uh, if it wasn't for, you know, that environment and, and those people who really took to me and and gave me a platform that I that I took and, and kind of took off from. So hmm. that's that's interesting. That's a gr that's great. Um, <laughs> no, I just that's wow. It's 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 always fun when you get such an association with a place yeah. um, and you know, that, that kind of home base kind of thing is super interesting in wrestling to me. Most people thought I was American when I, when I first started traveling outside of the Northwest because everyone had seen my work in Seattle. Right. And it's like, Oh no, I'm actually even people. The funny thing is even people in Canada thought I was from <laughs> Seattle because I wasn't working a lot of the, the main circuits up here in Vancouver. Right. And then I started getting, you know, more opportunities and they sort of, Oh, you're from Vancouver. Why aren't you on every show? You right. know, um, the funniest thing, which I have never admitted publicly. I've sorry, told, I've told this story a few times privately, but the first time I worked for a, a prominent promotion here in Vancouver, they paid me way more than I expected. So much to the point that I asked, um, <laughs> I asked one of my friends who was a longtime regular for that promotion, like, and money is not something that really wrestlers talk about right. too much, um, for for better or for worse. Sure. 
um, you know, that in some ways, you know, it's very much a private thing. And in some ways it, you know, people will tell you that it's the promoters trying to keep us down and, and, and not pay us a fair wage. Right. But, um, we're not here to talk about socialism. We're here to talk about music. Um, I'm always down to talk about socialism. I mean, I am too, but that's not for tonight. (laughs) Um, but, uh, but I asked him like, Hey, what do you, what do you make here? And he told me, and it was exactly what I got paid. Okay. And I sort of said, oh, okay, well, that's what I got paid. And it was my first night in. And he goes, huh, <laughs> like, that's, that's unusual. And I go, yeah. He's like, you probably shouldn't tell anyone that. Okay. <laughs> and I'm not positive, but I'm quite confident it's because they paid me extra for trans because they thought I was driving up from Seattle. Right. Even though I drove seven minutes to that show (laughs) (laughs) bonus bonus so but the next time i worked there i got a lot less (laughs) so they they figured it out they figured it out (laughs) so uh so yeah but that that is quite true yeah i definitely have an association with seattle all right uh so you've had a few other themes um in various places um in your sort of what i'm going to call your wrestling career proper we're going to talk about backyard stuff a little bit later. Um, but you you kind of hipped me to a couple of these. Uh, I was trying to do some research, and it was, you know, there was some stuff that I missed. Um, so the first one we're going to talk about is Luau by, is I, I assume it's Drive Like Yehu? It's Jehu, Is actually. it Jehu? It's, okay. It, yeah, it's Jehu, yeah. Okay. Well, let's so listen Luau, to yeah, by Drive Like Jehu, who, um, oh, sorry, I'll stop talking. You're going no, to play. No, go ahead. I would just say it's a, like a post-hardcore band from San Diego from okay. the early 90s. Members of uh, who went on to do um, well, I'm a, uh, Rocket from Rocket from the Crypt. Okay. And um, Hot Snakes is a, another band that, that people will know. But Drive Like Jehu was kind of their, their original um, post-hardcore band from the early 90s. Okay. So that's uh that's got like a little a nice little driving beat to it. I was gonna say you cut it out before the before the drop yeah. though, right? So yeah, it's it's a long intro. I recognize. I always it. try. I always try and keep them short because I don't know. You know, who knows what what's what's gonna catch on? Oh, we don't need to get DM DMC. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> but anyways, eventually there's a there's a real squally kind of feedbacky uh, note, I guess, and then the song proper kind of kicks in. Um, Although, albeit along the same kind of um, tempo, really. It never really picks up that much. Um, so, yeah, anyways, sorry, you're probably going to ask a question. Nope, that's I, should, fine. I should stop I was, talking. You're fine. Uh, where were you using that? So, I, I still, in theory, to this day, uh, once I'm able to work for this promotion again, sure. um, use it for a little promotion here um, in the Northwest called Without a Cause, WAC. Okay. Um, they are based in Everett, Washington, which is only about 20, 25 miles north of Seattle. And the origin of using that song was uh, back in the spring of 2019. They wanted to start bringing me in regularly as a babyface. When I was regularly working 25 minutes or 25 miles south in Seattle as a heel. Right. And... Um, I didn't think it would be appropriate to use um, Providence. 
it wasn't at the point that it is now where it, you know, I, I use it regardless. I'm a baby face. I'm a heel. I don't care. I use it. It's right. the song is ubiquitous with me and I'm either going to get a heel reaction or a baby face reaction. However, I'm booked. Right. Um, and, and the way I actually act in ring is not that different when depending on, on how I'm working, but, but there are, <laughs> there are some subtle differences. Sure. For sure. sure. Um, so I wanted something, I wanted something different that had, you know, more of a, a face feel to it. And uh, again, you, you pointed it out, has kind of a nice driving rhythm. It's something that's a little off the beaten path. It too is like a nine minute song that just kind of drones on forever right. uh, at the end. Um, and the one thing that, you know, why you struggled to, to find it is because I, I only use it at Without a Cause and none of their entrances end up on their final video product which you can you know see on independent wrestling tv there you go they sometimes put matches up on youtube and they you get a little uh graphic of here's the match and then you're kind of right in right in uh, the ring with with your wrestlers so it's it's really only for the live live audience right. in the building that night and it's kind of come to be synonymous with me in that building and to the point that now that gets a reaction there. So um, even though I could probably go back to using Providence there if I wanted to, whenever I'm able to wrestle again in that building, which is hopefully in the near future, um, I'll just keep using Luau. Makes sense. Yeah. It's, it's different and it's, it's kind of, yeah, that's, that's my theme for those people in that room. So Okay, so you also gave me another uh, song that you use occasionally um, that, that, as I told you, uh, sort of sent me down a rabbit hole of my own uh, because of the band involved. And this is the Tetris theme song uh, by the band Ozma. So that's that's fun, and uh, as I told you, I have a, I have a little bit of a history with Osmo with cover bands of my own. So yeah, that's so. that was so random when you told me that I would <laughs> I would not expect that. Um, Osmo were I don't know if they still exist. If I'm being honest, um, they were a band kind of in the early 2000s. Um, I first discovered them uh, going to the Vans Warp tour, seeing them one year, where they covered the Tetris theme. And my friends and I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I've always had a soft spot for Tetris. I really have a soft spot for Tetris now. It's sure. one of the few games that I, that I play. I'm not much of a video game guy, but I do still have my original Nintendo, and I, I regularly play Tetris on nice. it. Nice. Um, I've done a Tetris-themed shirt design as well in the past. Um, and that was the theme that I used when I debuted way back in the fall of 2003, doing a uh it was literally like an internet smart character that was the idea it was someone like very much inspired by i mean i wasn't i was pr- a pretty unbearable teenager on the internet at times i'm sure but um <laughs> you know very much inspired by someone who would post on death valley driver i even wrestled in uh what at the time was kind of um 
it was it was not popular or or in vogue whatsoever on the west coast but uh a lot of the east coast indies that i that i mentioned previously that me and my friends were watching it was the the classic black t-shirt and ufo pants uh combination and i wore i had a death valley driver t-shirt that i wore and my bright orange ufo pants with my my kick pads and wrestling shoes uh pretty dated look if i'm being honest uh definitely did not uh win over too many uh, too much favor in the locker rooms that i was in on the west coast because <laughs> uh, they obviously weren't watching iw mid-south and jersey all pro like all i right. was and uh so yeah very much inspired by that and and i thought it's a fun upbeat it was i was a face at the time uh not using the name daniel Makabe. uh <laughs> this is a ridiculous thing it's it's on my cage match though which is very funny I only used the name half a dozen times, maybe. Um, my name was Lincoln Page. Okay. And the name is literally, it, it's its so dumb, but it, I thought it was really clever. Is because I was doing an internet smark. It was like web link, web page. Like link on page. <laughs> Lincoln Page. I dig it. Yeah. I could bring it back. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> So I thought the Tetris theme, I mean, it's a video game. It's not a computer, computer sure, game, but technically, but it, it kind of tied in enough to the internet vibe. And so it was a fun, upbeat version of that. And so that's why that's what I used for uh, the first, you know, six months to a year of my independent wrestling foray. Interesting. I like yeah. it. I like it. Uh, and then you have also, um, so I know W. you've worked at WXW, um, and they have a sort of stock music entrance theme that they use for you. Which, as stock entrance themes go, is not terrible. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. It's... I, I, there's a story to that, too, though. Okay, so, okay. Uh, so when I first, I worked for them for the first time, it was in Toronto in the summer of 2019 uh, for SummerSlam weekend. And they ran uh, a couple of shows there uh, in uh, correlation with um, Smash Wrestling based out of Toronto mm -hmm. and Progress Wrestling based out of London and OWE based out of China. The four promotions kind of came together and had this, you know, weekend of shows in this really nice uh, you know, I looked it up and it was predominantly used as a wedding venue, but it, it made for a pretty cool wrestling venue, actually. And um, so it was the first time working for WXW, you know, realizing that I can't have my theme songs. I have to use one of their stock ones. And ahead of time, they sort of said, OK, if you want to have some input, you know, here's the, the person who works in-house in to come up with these sort of things. And so I sent them an email and said, hey, this is what I normally come out to find something that's as close as possible to that, which I sent them Providence. And so I, I get there and um, one of the heads of production for WXW is, is a really sweet person named Katya. And she takes me aside and goes, okay, so your, your music, um, when you, when you and, and she's explaining this to me in English, which, you know, she speaks very good English, but German is obviously her first language. Right. And so she goes, you know, when you when you hear this music and it kind of goes, it kind of goes, uh, da, and then it kicks in and it's just kind of a, a rock song. Uh, you might not think that that is your theme music, 
but that is in fact your theme music. So <laughs> so don't wait for for something else when when the the guitars kick in, that is your time to enter. And so it was some um yeah, just kind of similarly generic kind of stock music. Sure. But it did have kind of like a five to six second kind of ambient intro before it kicked in. <laughs> and so I used that in Toronto. And then I used it again uh, the next time that I was over there in the fall of 2019. And uh, and by uh, the next time I was over there, the first time I actually went to Germany. Right. Um, and then subsequently I went back uh, to Germany the following spring for 16 Carat. And unbeknownst to me, they changed my theme uh, to the one that you played just now. Right. And no one told me. Mm. And so I'm waiting uh, kind of backstage for um, uh, it was like a like a pre pre show that they do on the Thursday night before the big tournament kicks off, which is in their their kind of home venue, which is their their training school. And literally the backstage is just like the office. It's literally the office that they run their operation out of. And then you kind of go through a door and you're in the, the back of the gym where they run their training and where they run their, sh- their small kind of intimate shows. And I'm standing there with my partner, who was Chris Ridgway that night. And the song is playing, which is you know, the one that you played just now. And I kind of go, oh, that's not my theme. And he goes, oh, that's not my theme here either. We kind of look at each other. You know. I guess that is well, now. I guess it's what we're. I guess it's what we're entering to. So then we, you know, we walk out, uh, and then it wasn't until you know the next day when we were actually in the the main the the Turbenhalle in Oberhausen, which is the big fifteen hundred capacity venue where they they run the main shows, where they got the the lights and the sound and the you know the video screens, and I you know saw them running tech, and and sure enough, I saw them running my my. Uh, my entrance video in in correlation with that song and went oh i guess that's my song now okay <laughs> no one told me so and th- and then the following week they uploaded it to youtube as you know daniel makabe wxw entrance music which so. is where i found it so there you go yep. so that's the, that's the story of that song which i guess going forward is what i come out to at wxw there you go and now you and now you'll know the next time i would say hopefully they bring me back shortly and i can i can use it again because right. i'd love to come back to germany so there you go all right. Um, so while I was doing my research, I had discovered a list of songs for everybody who appeared in a promotion called VCW. Yes. Um, which, from what I've gathered, is a, a backyard promotion. Yes. Okay. Um, and there is a list of about six or seven or eight songs that you that they purported that you used. Yes. So let's uh, let's do a little speed round here and talk about those. Absolutely. We're not, we're not gonna play and this, any of them. this would have been over the course of like 10 years. Okay. Too, so. And that makes sense. Um, yes. So the first one they have is Fear and Loathing in Mawa, New Jersey by Titus Andronicus, the New Jersey indie, pop, indie punk band. Yes. That, so we're going in reverse chronological order. Oh, okay. So, that's what this is. Okay. But that's fine. Uh, so that's kind of what I used at the tail end of backyarding and uh, for the first little while in my kind of jumping back into the waters of independent wrestling before, um, you know, that conversation around what should I use for my team tag team theme and, right. you know, coming up with, um, you know, teenage kicks. I was using fear and loathing by uh, Titus Andronicus who at the time were probably my favorite band in the world. Oh, okay. I still love that band. I have a real soft spot for their first, certainly their first two records. Um, um, 
the first one is, uh, yeah, the first one's called The Airing of Grievances. Second record's called The Monitor. It's an amazing concept record. Uh, they stayed uh, at my house when oh. they played Vancouver on that on wow. the tour for The Monitor um, because they just put out on their blog, like, hey, we're looking for places to crash sure. on this tour just to save on, on lodging costs. And I probably emailed them like three or four months before the actual tour date and literally the day of the show they emailed me back saying like hey is the offer still open can we stay <laughs> at your place and i had to ask my roommate like hey titus and dronicus are gonna stay here is that okay um but the cool thing that happened was you know they had said like if we if you let us crash at your place yeah you'll get free entrance to our show sure. and i had already bought tickets because you know the arrangements obviously weren't made until very last minute um but the next time that they played, which was maybe six months later, they came back to Vancouver and I hit them up. I said, hey, you know, do you mind putting me on the guest list? You guys stayed at my place last time. I said, oh, yeah, no, no problem. We'll put you on the guest list. And a couple nights before, my, my friend and I were looking up some of their recent set lists to see what they had been playing live. And one of the things they had been playing was a cover by an uh, old English punk oi band called Coxbar. Um, and the song is called uh, We're Coming Back. And my friend and I are huge Cox Bar fans. And we thought, oh, man, hopefully they play that tonight in Vancouver. And so we went, you know, when we got in, we went up to the merch table and talked to them. And, you know, they remembered me and we, you know, caught up a little bit and had a nice conversation. And I asked them if they were going to play the Cox Bar cover. And they said, well, I don't know. That wasn't really in the plans. And we were both sort of like, I remember my friends saying, we will shit our pants if you play the Cox Bar cover tonight. (laughs) And... They them going, okay. How it was they? it was their bass bass player's name is Ian. Going, okay, yeah, we'll do it for you guys. <laughs> and then later that night, the lead singer Patrick, who's got kind of a dry sense of humor, going. So uh, the last time we were here, we stayed at this guy's house. His name was Daniel. He was pretty nice, I guess. <laughs> Apparently, he's gonna shit his pants when we play this song. So uh, yeah, this is a cover, and they played the Coxbar cover <laughs> yeah, for us. Great. So. Yeah, that's great. Uh, so prior to that, you had used "More Hate Than Fear" by the New York uh, straight edge hardcore band One King Down. Yeah, underrated, underrated hardcore right. band. Uh, I used that for quite a few years, and and that almost uh, in certain circles, kind of in my backyard circles, that song because it's got a fairly long intro, which I edited down for my version, and then the song kind of kicks in with a big kind of sing-along gang vocal with the lyrics i'm so i'm so fed up and then and that kind of became my my mantra that i would enter through the the curtains on on that big gang vocal and if there was enough people there because a lot of these backyard shows you're wrestling for literally just the other people on the show um occasionally people would would all kind of crowd around the entrance and they would you know they would kind of yell in my face as i entered like it was you know gang vocals at a hardcore show so sure uh that was definitely me in in my 20s getting really into straight edge hardcore and wanting to use that as a theme song so all right uh there was forced march by earth crisis that was just a brief kind of detour away from uh, the One King Down song, actually. Okay. I went from One King Down over to Force March, back to One King Down. That makes sense as to why I, again, it's on, it was on the list twice. So Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's not too dissimilar, but it doesn't have the same kind of, it didn't have the same energy as the One King Down song. And, and admittedly, I'm more of a One King Down fan than a, 
than an Earth Crisis fan, although both are are straight edge vegan bands from New York. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that was I maybe used that for six months total. Okay, yeah. Uh, there was a Colony by the Swedish metal band In Flames. Yeah, that was kind of my entrance to uh, a lot more aggressive music in my early twenties. Okay, I was. At the same time, I was getting into Minor Thread and Bad Brains and Black Flag and a lot of early 80s hardcore. I was um, also getting into um, the the Swedish melodic death metal scene um, in Flames and At the Gates and and all of those bands. I was lucky to, it's like the corniest experience ever, but I started using uh, Colony by In Flames and it has kind of a cool... Uh, kind of the chunky kind of riffy guitar kind of kicks in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember seeing in flames live and I'm not much for, for crowd surfing, uh, but crowd surfing to colony and like singing along with, with the lead singer and sort of thinking at the time, uh, you know, I'm like, Oh, it's such a cool vibe. Like getting to sing along to my entrance theme with this guy who has no idea how much that means to me. Right. right? And no one did, you know, but and I honestly haven't recalled that memory and I don't even know how long it's the first time I've ever said it publicly, probably. So, um, but yeah, I used that song for years and years and years for sure. Okay. And Interesting. admittedly in flames had a big falling off point for me where they definitely leaned a little too much into the melody. Um, but I can still go back and listen to those first like four or five in flames records and, and really enjoy them still. So, okay. Uh, there was stink fist by tool which is one of their first like big, big songs. Yeah. I, um, I tool was a big gateway band for me for okay. sure. In my senior year of high school, that's when their record lateralis came out. That was the first time I saw them live. And I, I really kind of saw like the power of, of live music. Like they put on such an amazing performance, both in their musicianship, but also the, the accompanying visuals and their, their stage design and uh, that's a band that I've seen live probably four or five times and, and have always had a really uh, amazing time doing so. But that's a band that, um, you know, really kind of led me to getting into more long form song structure and more um, instrumental passages and and really led me to getting into more kind of off the beaten path uh, instrumental or um you know, post-rock, post-metal, bands like Isis, bands like Pelican, bands like Neurosis, who are, you know, bands I love still to this day and and are some of, you know, like Tool led me to Neurosis, who Neurosis might be the best live band I've ever seen in my life. And so, uh, and there's a lot of similarities there, but Neurosis kind of exists in more of an underground world. So, um, yeah, I don't even remember using Stinkfist for that long. It was probably... For a, a, a cup of coffee when I was I was just obsessed with Tool in my <laughs> senior year of high school and, and my first couple of years of college. So, okay, uh, and then there was Hard to Explain by The Strokes. That's so. At the same time, I'm getting into this kind of off the beaten path, you know, metal and heavy music. Um, was around the time of. Um, I'm sure you remember when you know rock and roll was dead as far as uh, the major. Uh, music publications were mm-hmm. concerned and then 2002 happened and we had the strokes we had yep. the hives we had the vines all the the bands 
all the the bands and you know subsequently you know uh sum 41 made fun of the strokes yep. by being by being the sums in their music video and again another canadian band that i got right. sh- shoved down my throat because of can con laws <laughs> um although admittedly i bought the first sum 41 reference so did so. i um but uh but yeah so i i really got into the strokes oh the white stripes duh i forgot yep. you know probably the biggest one out of all those bands yeah, that's true um and uh i got really into the strokes i love that that first record um the second record you know came a couple years later and saw them live quite a few times in that in that era um my my funny my funny uh how the the bands kind of led me into really getting into kind of college rock and indie rock of 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 an earlier era i remember um i was visiting my dentist and <laughs> I used to bring my discman with me when going to the dentist. Sure. So to whatever, try and drown out the sound of, you know, if you had to, to get a filling or, or whatever. And my dentist was a younger guy, probably in his early 30s. And he asked me what I was listening to. And I said, oh, I'm listening to the White Stripes. And he goes, oh, yeah, I, I really like them. You know, I put them on in the office sometimes sort of oh okay that's cool he goes yeah but you know the band you really got to get into is the pixies <laughs> and it was like oh okay and he's like yeah you got to buy surfer rosa by the pixies that's the album <laughs> and so i got surfer rosa by the pixies that's... and then you know anytime a music magazine uh wrote an article about the strokes they would always reference oh lower east side new york city velvet underground and I went, oh okay i really like this Strokes record, so I'm going to listen to the Velvet Underground now, which I don't really see the connection I, in hindsight. I was going to say, I don't, eh, like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but hey, if, if it got you, if it got you from the Strokes to the Velvet Underground, then sure. I'm not, I, and I'm not making it up, but like, that was, that was a thing that yeah. very much happened, you know, and so I remember, like, the bands that I associate most with my, kind of, my freshman year of college is listening to a lot of the Velvet Underground and a lot of the Pixies. And uh, and that all kind of stemmed from that, you know, rock and roll is back. Koopa uh, sure. bands in, in 2001, 2002. So and so, yeah, I my friends hated that I used that stroke song. <laughs> They're like, this is lame. This isn't good entrance music. This band is a flash in the pan. And they would make fun of me so brutally for using that song. But mm. I still love that song. And I love the video. The song, the video is directed by Roman Coppola. Right. And uh, and it's just kind of a a series of kind of stock footage, but I, but I've always loved that that music video. So. Yeah. Okay, so then on the list, the next thing that it says is you had a custom theme that contained bits from Shinjiro Otani's Zero One theme and Junakiyama's Noah theme. I don't remember using this, but I okay. I believe I believe the list because the person who put it together is so anal about these things. Okay. Uh, the theme would have been made by my friend Justin, who um, wrestled um, mostly in our backyard promotion, but a little bit of dabbling in, in independent wrestling as well as Yakuza J. And he has this weird cult following among people who have discovered his backyard work and pine for more independent work from him. Hmm. Like, why didn't this guy go on and do more indies? And um, he was so good. Like, he um he was super big and and agile six foot two probably 280 pounds um and and like uh he was my roommate for years so you know one of my best friends uh 
and like a big guy, but he, he was a Chinese guy too. So like not, not your everyday big guy, you know, right. he really stood out and had just such an amazing presence. And, uh, and he used to make these little custom themes for us using like snippets from various, uh, Puroresu themes of the day, because we were, we were big into tape trading and, and getting the latest, uh, New Japan and All Japan and Zero One and, Dragon Gate and I certainly was a huge fan of battle arts and and whatever we could get our hands on you know we were watching it so sure and then there is the ultra violence theme from a clockwork orange yeah has anyone used that since someone I should don't think so but that, that would sounds be... amazing I should bring it back there you go the only thing at the time it was like I was really um I again I was like a senior in high school junior you know freshman in college really getting into film, taking sure. film studies classes and Capital finding film. out about, um, you know, more, um, um, older, older film and avant-garde film and whatever. And I'm pretty sure I, I got really into Stanley Kubrick when I was like 16, 17 years old, saw, saw Clockwork Orange for the first time, thought that that song was just so powerful and, and kind of has this like brooding sinister vibe to it. And, uh, and so, yeah, I used it for a period of time in, in our backyard fed when I was 17 years old. And I was like, <laughs> so the opposite of, of sinister and brooding. But, right. But I was trying to be. And uh, <laughs> and again, I'm pretty sure people kind of looked at it like, what is this? What does he think he's doing? You know, I wasn't using corner <laughs> slipknot. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I would say that. that's a plus in your in your. I think favor. so. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds awesome. I haven't thought about that in years. So. That's great. That's great. All right. So that was that was a fun little experiment. I, I think so. Yeah, that yeah. worked. All right. So the final question that I ask every episode is what I call the Tony Khan proposition. And I don't okay. know if it's going to mean it because for all I know right now, you're already using it. And the, the question is, if money and rights were no object, what would be your dream entrance song? I think it's Providence. By okay. Godspeed and that's, Black Emperor. that's yeah. kind of what I figured. That's and that's a boring, boring answer. But um, the other thing, and it kind of ties back into CanCon, is when it came down, push came to shove, and I had to choose a theme. One of the tie-breaking decisions for me was I wanted to use a Canadian artist. Makes I sense. wanted people to to know who these guys are. Not that they're a small band by any means. You know, they're you know they pack theaters around the world. Right. Um, but. Yeah, I wanted to shine, you know, if not a Canadian band, then a band from the Northwest, you know. So um, because I'm uh, very proud of, of where I'm from and I like to represent where I'm from, if I could use a, a band from New Westminster, I would. But there's no uh, there's no one from here that really scratches that itch yeah. as much as Godspeed does. If, if there is, it's probably a band I play in. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, and yeah, so it was like, oh, it's a no-brainer. I got it's got to be a, a Canadian band. And honestly, if we could throw some royalty money their way, they're probably going to do something way cooler with it. You know, there's sure. um, there's a a prize every year given out to Cana the best Canadian album of the year. It's called the Players Prize, and it's voted on by a lot of independent um, journalists and um, program directors for college stations across the country. Uh, one of my good friends who's done a bunch of t-shirt designs for me, who I have played in bands with, is a, um, a station director 
for uh, one of these stations out here in Greater Vancouver. He gets to vote on it every year. Nice. Um, but one year, Godspeedy Black Emperor won it. And I think it's like a $25,000 cash prize. Oh, wow. And like they donated to, to charity, some charitable cause that was local to them in Montreal. Oh, that's great. Um, so, yeah, let's throw some Tony Khan money at them and they could do something to maybe help better this world a little bit. Because I don't, I don't know where to put money like that. I, sure. I mean, I, I, I try, but uh, they're, they're maybe a little more educated about that kind of stuff. So Makes sense. All right, Daniel, thank you so much for being on the show. This has been a fantastic discussion. I've really enjoyed myself. Um, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you on the internet? Absolutely. Yeah, I, I had a great time, um, and I appreciate you uh, extending the, uh, the offer. Um, if you don't already, follow me on social media, Twitter and Instagram. It's at Daniel Makabe, D-A-N-I-E-L-M-A-K-A-B-E. Um, uh, as mentioned previously, I post daily music recommendations every morning uh it's around 7 30 a.m pacific when it gets posted um maybe it's something you've never heard of maybe it's something you haven't heard in a long time but uh it's just something that's kind of become my gimmick and sometimes it's a lot of fun and sometimes it's a real pain in the ass coming up with something to post every single day um because i try not to repeat myself (laughs) um so yeah follow me there if you haven't you know check out my matches on youtube there's a lot of my work on uh, iwtv independentwrestling.tv which uh, i'm a big fan of that that platform i've got um, some friends who work there so please support them i think they're doing the lord's work as far as independent wrestling is concerned amen um you can watch me on wxw now if you want to uh, support me working in Germany and 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 encouraging them to bring <laughs> me back when I'm they're able to do so. Uh, check out their streaming platform; they've got um, some amazing footage there. And yeah, follow me on social media if you want to check out my bands, uh, Griefwalker or Taxa. Both are available on Bandcamp. And uh, and once again, I really appreciate you uh, uh, inviting me to do this. This was a lot of fun. I'm I'm glad you think so, and I'm so glad we were able to do this. Thank you so much for listening to Hit My Music. We will see you next time. Hit My Music is a proud member of the soon-to-be-named network. You can find a variety of podcasts at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com, including add-outs with wrestling, we need wrestling, longbox heroes, and more. You can follow the show at Hit My Music Pod on Twitter, and you can email the show at hitmymusicpod at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so by subscribing to my Patreon at patreon.com slash jinglemeister. The theme song for Hit My Music is Contract Killer by me, the Jinglemeister. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.